Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This is Julie Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Bonner Spring to the podcast today. Bonner writes eclectic international thrillers. A nomad at heart, she hitchhiked across Europe at 16 and joined the Peace Corps after college. After living and teaching overseas, Bonner returned to the U.S., where she earned a master's in education from Harvard and taught ESL for many years. Bonner recently trekked to Machu Picchu for a significant birthday. Her award-winning debut, Toward the Light, is set in Guatemala, and the newly released Disappeared takes place in Morocco. Bonner, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Julie. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. Well, I love to talk to writers about writing, so I'm going to start as I always do. When did you first tell yourself, I want to write a novel? Um, novels came later in my life, but I think like so many, I expect you've read, you've, you've um, interviewed so many people who said, I was a crazy reader when I grew up. I yes. grew up reading books voraciously. I can't remember a time when I didn't. Um, I was reading. We were like, I can't remember how old I was. I was really young and we were on vacation and my mother had a copy of Hawaii and I was so desperate for something to read that I picked up a book that was like four inches thick and tried reading it and stuff <laughs> like that. I, I wrote my first story, I think when I was eight, maybe years old. I don't remember exactly. It's very Nancy Drew, you know, Hidden Passageways yeah. and identical twins, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and through high school, I did a lot of nonfiction writing, you know, the yearbook and the the, news, the newspaper and stuff. But I've always loved short stories. And those were the first things that I tried writing. So I wrote a lot of I wrote a lot of short stories. You know, I was married with family by then. And, um, you know, I just didn't have the bandwidth for novels um, that changed well, you used the phrase significant birthday in my introduction, so I guess I'll repeat it. Um, at the cusp of a very significant birthday 14 years ago, I said it was time to put up or shut up. If you're going to write yeah. all, you know, all these ideas right in your brain and they're just driving you crazy. But I didn't know where to go. I'm not a writer who's been through an MFA program and I wasn't trained that way. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure exactly um, what to do, but... I found online because online was still accessible. Then there was a um, something they offered writing classes. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. And it was, it was $79 to sign up for a year or something amazing. And I thought I can, I need to do this. Um, so you could sign for classes. It wasn't much in the way of classes, Julie. It was more like, um, you know, like a summary sheet you'd get after yeah. a lecture or something like yeah. that. It was not, a, it was not a big deal. But there were group chats. Yeah. And I got for the very first time in my life to talk to other writers. And it was a life-changing experience. There were other people like me out there. And we were yeah. trying to do some of the same things. And um, the energy, the energy was great. I wish um I have no way of contacting any of those. I'm dying to know, you know, if any of them you made if they made progress. Like, I feel like I've made some, I hope they have too. 
But the one thing that the connection there is that one of the people happened to mention this crazy, write your novel in a month thing that they'd heard about. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I thought that was NaNoWriMo for those who, who might be listening, who don't know. And I thought, why not? And so I did it. I wrote, um, I wrote a book that kind of sucked badly, but I got from the very beginning to the very end. And I still, truly to this day, I remember the feeling, the feeling of immense pride and satisfaction I got for just getting, getting there, getting there to the end. It was amazing. Yeah, no, I, you know, that's, I think for um, when you first start writing, finishing is such an important step. And so many times we just keep going back at fixing the beginning. It's like, you can't fix it until you finish it. And then you go back. You, you can't, you cannot fix everything. Now, I think you're a NaNoWriMo veteran as well, right? I am. I've done it a couple of times. So for folks who don't know NaNoWriMo, it's every November um, and it's from November 1st to, through November 30th, which is a tough time of year to do this, but that's part of it. <laughs> um, that's right. You do have to budget in Thanksgiving, don't you? Which is yes. just really annoying. Yeah. Yes. Family time and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. um, you commit to trying to write 50,000 words in a month. So that's yes. a short draft of a novel. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it doesn't give you time to double guess or to, to think too hard. So you just every day you do it. There's tremendous Sisters in Crime has some NaNoWriMo um, support. There's also the organization yes. itself. Highly recommend um, going and signing up. And, you know, you can you can meet folks that way. But it's um it is a gift to writers. Uh, it's a, I, I've used it um, to, you know, I was, I wrote a whole book for my series in Joy Nano because I just like, let's get this it's draft because done. That's, that's all you can do. You just sit there every day. And if you do the division um, correctly, you're writing 1,667 words every yeah. day. And if you don't write Thanksgiving, you you know, you factor that in at the very beginning, but a 2000 word count is, um, you know, keeps you on track. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of pages to go through every day. I mean, it's, it, it, it prompts one to, to just get it out on paper because you can't revise a blank page. And of course, you know, um, you, you, you do have to revise after NaNoWriMo. <laughs> well, there's we a lot of other things now. You know, the NaNoWriMo people are doing revision months. They're doing uh, camp months where you can set your own pace and stuff like that. It's just been a tremendous gift to writers. I um, don't do it every year anymore, but um, I'm so proud of them. Yeah, it's a terrific organization. And and as Bonner said, I, I highly, I, I'll put it in the show notes so people can know to do it. Um, and again, right. Sisters in Crime does some support um, events during NaNoWriMo. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. we do write-ins now twice a week, four times a day. And Bonner's one of the folks who helps lead the write-ins, right. which is part of this. It's, it's, right. you know, you spend, well, yeah, an hour I got involved for the first time because you were doing the NaNoWriMo write-ins, yeah. I believe last fall. And it was in, in a very small way, I think my way of giving back to the support yeah. of the people. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great um, process, but so you took this online class, you met people, so community, and we, we'll talk a lot more about that, but yeah, I want to talk sure about your process um, some more. 
you learned how to write a book, um, you know, through that class, but also through doing it with Nano. But was it always, has it, in your short stories and, uh, you know, in your novels, you write um, thrillers, you write, you know, was it always mystery? Was it always crime fiction for you? Yes. I tried writing a romance once and I ended up being a dead body in it. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, I like the, um, I've always liked the puzzle that's involved yeah. with mysteries and thrillers. Um, I like a fast paced book, um, particularly one that takes you someplace that might seem rather interesting. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the thrillers that the, the armchair travel thrillers that take you yeah. to a place that you'd like to be. Hence, um, my debut, which was set in Guatemala, uh, and the new book in Morocco. Yeah. And so you take life experience and you add that into yeah. what you're writing, but you haven't had, hopefully haven't had thriller type action come into your, <laughs> into your travels. How did you, what drew you to that subgenre? So there's a, a slightly circuitous thing to that, which I will tell you right now, I'm actually writing a mystery right now, Julie. Okay. And um, so I can tell you for absolute fact that writing thrillers are a thousand times easier than writing mysteries. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? In a thriller, you're writing forward to this thing that's going to happen. Right. Okay. And, and, all that's really necessary is for you to um, have an understanding of what your character would do in the situation and then make it worse. What would your character do? Make it worse, but believable and keep going. It's a forward looking thing. What do you do in a mystery? Uh, you start out with a usually a dead body and then right. it's backtracking to find out what happened. And I find this so much more challenging. <laughs> As a mystery writer, you probably totally disagree with me. Well, I think that um, it's important to understand genre and it's important to understand the differences there. Um, but I would I would disagree with you as far as <laughs> thrillers being easy to write because um I find them challenging, but I, I I think that this is one of the great things about writing over a period of time. So you've written short stories, you're writing novels now, you know, you've been writing for a long time, is that um, you're constantly challenging yourself. So, you know, you've written thrillers and you've gotten great, great response to them, but now you're thinking to yourself, let me try something different because yes. you want to challenge yourself. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. I'm I'm very I was very curious about the process. Um, it's probably pretty clear to you that I find setting an extremely important part of my books. I mean, that's yeah. that's a, a big deal with it. And um, and so the Guatemala story started out as a um the Guatemala story, which was my first published novel toward the light, um, started out as a reverie about one of my students. I taught ESL for many, many years. And um my students were typically um, adults who had come to the States um, who needed, uh, who, had, who did not go to school in the States, who needed um, extra uh, instruction in English in order to get a better job or something. Um, it's not as academic as teaching algebra or something. I got to know families in many cases. The kids would come into the room. In some cases, many cases, I probably should say, Julie, um, unless it was a war zone. I mean, my Vietnamese students from early on in my teaching career didn't go home for decades. 
But for example, Central American students who are mainly escaping poverty and some gang violence can go home. When the kids got home, excuse me, when the kids got to their parents' home, is what I should Mm -hmm. have said, they were fish out of water. They'd grown up in the States. And I got to know these kids. And that was Luz, who was the heroine of my first novel, set in Guatemala, so that she would, she had the experience of experiencing the country that she'd heard about all her life, but had left at a very young age and didn't really know. So, um, so I, I like that sort of thing in a very similar way, disappeared, um, had to do with, um, a not terribly scary, but a daunting incident that happened, did happen to me in Morocco. But to get to your point, I've always wanted to write a book about the island where, um, we've had a summer home for many years. It's in the Bahamas. It's a gorgeous place. And I became, um, obsessed as sort of putting it to, to, um, making it too, making it too intense. But I love the interaction between the locals, the people who live there and the transients. And I thought this would make, you know, so much better than writing um, about a police precinct, you know, and all the, the crimes right. that they solve having the, the locals who have to deal with the, the people coming through and, and their issues. I thought it would provide a really endless stream of, of interesting stories. And to do that, I made the heroine uh, running a marina. Oh, interesting. So, so she's connected to the town. She is a townie, in fact, but she has absolute first first access to all the, let's call them crazy rich boaters. How about that? Well, and lots of um, lots of ways to have have conversations and meet people, and yeah. you know, yeah. have firsthand knowledge. Is do you right. imagine this is going to be a series, or are you imagining it as a standalone? This this is a series, and as uh, as you know, life will throw like um, uh, curveballs at you all the time, right? Yeah. Okay, so the curveball is this. Yeah, I just explained this gorgeous setup, right? Can you see this being a whole series? Yeah. Okay. Um, in 2019, when I was in the middle of, um, okay, I wasn't in the middle. I'd written the book. I'd written a really, <clears throat> really crappy first draft of the book by that point. Um, a hurricane almost destroyed the island yeah. where our house is, and it has not come back. Um, many people left. This was in uh, the fall of 2019. It was Hurricane Dorian in the fall yeah. of 2019. And a lot of people left. It really destroyed pretty much most of the infrastructure uh, of the uh, the only large town on the island. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And people who'd gone to Florida to stay with relatives stayed there. And um, the neighborhood I lived in was um, almost totally destroyed. Um, and it's being bought up now by people who are putting up vacation rental, you know, um, small vacation rental homes. So um, the series is going to be very different now. My marina owner is going to go have to go elsewhere. And I'm having a lot of fun thinking about where she's going to be next, which is probably going to be France. So there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, this is one of the challenges. I know somebody who writes a series that was sent in St. John and the same thing happened. It's, um, yeah. you know, it's heartbreaking. Also, uh, this is a book time question. You know, do you go back yes. to what it was and pretend that that's what it is still? Or do you deal with the current reality? And, you know, uh, do you deal with COVID is a question that a lot of people who write series um, are faced with. I mean, it's so book time is it can 
be like, it can reflect real life or it can be separate. It could be a separate timeline. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point, Julie. Yeah, I could I could continue to pretend that this island was a, was a great island and um, and I thought about it a lot. Yeah. And I thought, no, I thought, no, this is, this is what happens, isn't it? I mean, this is what happens yeah. to people in life. Yeah. They yeah. think things happen and this, uh, idyllic life. Now, um, I'm a, I am a sailor. Um, and so I do expect that she will be around boats wherever she goes. Um, but that's, that's easy enough to do. Yes. No. And that actually gives her a purpose, right? I mean, it gives her something yes. else to think about. Yes, exactly. Something else to think about. Interesting other places to meet people and do things. Exactly. Maybe not in exactly the same way. So Bonner, when you talked about your book set in Guatemala um, and your interaction with the students who you talked to and, and their mm -hmm. experiences, um, you know, writing the uh, from a different point of view is something we're talking about a lot. We're paying a lot of attention to um, how it's done and what, you know, what's going on. Did you have somebody read like you obviously had um, a lot of experience talking to people and sharing experiences? Did you have a, a layer of checking in with people or reading, you know, having somebody read the draft so that you felt the voice was real and you weren't? You weren't getting Bonner in the way. You were sort of making sure the character was there. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, I might know these people, but I am I am not those people. And I thought it was a step too far to pretend that I was. Um, there is um, I taught at a community college um, and uh, the ESL teaching was at a community college. And there was actually a Spanish language professor there um, who uh, read through my book. She was um, not loose, but very, uh, in many ways, very similar. Um, mm -hmm. a, uh, a Guatemalan woman who had grown up in the States, um, who had traveled back and forth to Guatemala. So she knew exactly the issues and she was a tremendous help to me in figuring it, um, making sure. To, to my credit, I think she didn't really correct many things that I did. Right. The one thing that she did, okay. The one thing she did was correct my telephone conversations. Interesting. <laughs> Well, um, my main experience with using the telephone, I don't know that I've ever actually used the telephone in Guatemala to think about it. Now, I, don't, I don't know that I ever have. In Mexico, where I spent a lot of time as a kid, and anyone who, who uh, travels much in Central America will probably say something like Guatemala is what, you know, make, like what Mexico was, you know, 20, 40 mm -hmm. 50 years ago. When I used to spend some time there, when you answer the phone in Mexico, you say, bueno. Mm -hmm. You don't do that in Guatemala. <laughs> Interesting. And it's those so are the details, right? That's a, a detail, yeah. but it matters. But it it absolutely does matter. Um, and um, she uh, she was she was good about it. One or two geographical things that I, I messed up as well. But the only actual factual error I think that is in toward the light is totally on me, and she didn't catch it. Um, there were these there were these two lovers and I wanted them to have sort of a, a romantic, uh, walk. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, I know Guatemala city, it takes place in Guatemala city, which I know actually fairly well, but, um, there's this thing called the, um, Torre del Reformador. Um, and it's sort of like a, a tinker toy, uh, Eiffel tower. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thought, oh, oh, that would be just such a cool place. So I had them walk to the Torre del Reformador and, um, and embrace and kiss underneath it. it 
last time I was in Guatemala, which was <clears throat> shortly after the book was published, <laughs> I went to the Torre del Reformador and guess what? It's a busy street. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Yeah. But I, I love, and, and thanks for talking about this because I do think it's something people can, uh, you know, again, you don't have to write characters that are exactly like you, but if you're writing somebody who doesn't have your lived experience, make sure you get it right. Cause no harm. That's right. right? Yeah. That's absolutely right. I, I, I would not want to take a right. That's why in, um, in Disappeared, uh, which was uh, published in May of last year, uh, the main characters are, hey, they're essentially me and my best friend who traveled to, 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 to bar. We're strangers in a strange land. We're um, yeah. middle-aged white American women traveling to a foreign country where we've never been before. Um, and in that sense, of course, it was much easier to write. Um, as I've said, I think it was in the afterward um, to disappeared, um, how much I loved Morocco and how um, some of the things, so many of the things were real, but the bad guys were all products of my overactive <laughs> imagination because I do find that the people are so lovely there. Well, I think crime writers, this is one of the the things we all have in common is we'll take the loveliest of situations and just think about how to make it terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's your right. process like? Do you get an idea? I mean, your setting <clears throat> you've mentioned is so important and is a character in your novels. Yeah. Um, do you, you know, how do you start? And then what's your process for writing like? Um, I was set, I was on a panel at Thriller Fest. I'm sort of typecast now as the uh, the setting panel, if there's going to yes. be a setting panel. And so I, I have I have said this on other occasions. Um, I, I almost always start with setting first, whether it's a short story or a novel length piece. And, um, but how do you pick a setting? You know, we could, you know, we're surrounded by things. And to me, it's the emotional connection to a setting. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show in Toward the Light, I wanted to show Luz's connection to this setting, which I found absolutely fascinating. And in Toward the Light, um, well, I alluded to it a minute ago. Um, um, I had traveled to um, Morocco once before with my friend, but we'd basically just taken the ferry to Tangier and had a wonderful time. We'd been in Spain and the weather was lousy. And so we just went, uh, we, we just took a ferry over to Tangier for like three days and we loved it so much um, that we decided to uh, return on our vacation the next year. We flew into Casablanca after an overnight flight from New York City. I'm exhausted. I speak French, but I don't speak Arabic and everybody around was was crazy doing Arabic and Jan, my good friend's bag never showed up on the luggage carousel. Ooh. So I had my bag and I had the carry-ons and she left me by the pillar by the luggage carousel and went off to try and figure out what the heck she had to do next. And mm -hmm. there was a long pause. And yeah. everyone around me was busily doing their stuff. And what am I thinking, Julie? <laughs> what if she doesn't come back? I mean, what the heck am I going to do here? This is crazy. Okay, she came back. The, the book is not about someone getting stranded in the airport. But that whole emotion, the emotional context of it, mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is, what, is what carries the story. What would you do? In that situation, one of the reviewers who posts regularly about the book says, what would you do 
in that mm-hmm. situation. How mm-hmm. would you do that? So it is, it's an emotional connection. Um, I do plot the stories out once I knew sort of who, who, who and what and where. Um, I, I try to have a beginning point and an end point that sort of bookend each other. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, I know Hank talks about this, Hank Olivia Ryan talks about this a lot. In the middle, sometimes I can only see as like as far as the headlight slice would go. And as long as I can do that, I feel like I can get I can get through the middle into into the end. I don't always know exactly um exactly the path mm-hmm. to con- to continue the conceit, the path that the, the car is going to take through the wilderness until we get to that end point. But yeah, um, I, I like to, I like to be able to to vision it. I'm not I'm not a crazy pantser who can start a scene and not know where I'm going. Yeah. Well, I heard a um, great quote at some. I think it was at Malice or maybe it was Left Coast Crime. Um, that some it was a Phyllis Whitney quote, and I hope I got that right. Um, a map is not a journey. So for many plotters, you do have a map. You have the, yes. you know, where you want to go. It's sort of yes. this, if you're driving across the United States, you've got certain places you're going to be stopping or thinking, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that's the journey. You could take a side road, you could spend extra time somewhere, you could explore this. And I love that. Um, I love that quote. <laughs> um, and, I'm actually writing it down now as you speak. <laughs> and if I if I misattributed it, I will correct that in the show notes. But I um I you know I I because I think sometimes people think when you plot you take away the surprise or the mystery, mm-hmm. and you don't. You just have you don't you have places you know you've got to get to in order to get it all to work. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's my, um, that's my, my, my new thing for the day. <laughs> I, I think it's tattoo worthy, okay. honestly. Um, do you, okay. and with writing a mystery, um, you know, having that map is extra helpful because you've got to drop clues and you've got to have yes. suspects and you've got to, you know, come up with a plausible reason that anyone cares and that your sleuth is sleuthing and all the rest of that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you are uh, you also work with folks. I mean, I think this is part of your teacher life, but you you mentor and you, you work on mentoring programs and, and things mm-hmm. like that. This is this is part of who you are. What why do you what drives you in in that way? I mean, there are so many writers who are so generous. I do think the crime fiction community is particularly wonderful mm-hmm. as far as uh, their generosity goes. But, you know, what makes you sort of think, I want to give back? I don't know how to answer that question, really, Julie. I, I just know, I know that I do. That's the kind of person I want to be. You probably answered it for me and saying that the, tri- the crime writing community is full of really generous people. And I want to be part of the crime writing community. And I think in order to do that, um, I put myself out there. I'm not the most outgoing person in the world, but if I can have a, um, a task to perform, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. uh, I, I always volunteer like when I go to conferences because, uh, because I can do something that is, it, it, it aids um, and I can, I can 
I could talk to people and I have a little sheet in my hand that can tell them where they need to go or what they need to do. And I can be useful at the same time. Yeah, I think that's such a great tip for folks who, I mean, there's some people who just get paralyzed by talking to people. So that's, this isn't, you know, that's not, this isn't a great tip for them. Um, (laughs) But if you are, you just, you're new to something and you want to meet people volunteering, even to be a timekeeper or to stuff the bags or to do whatever is such a great way to, to meet a few people. It is. It's an absolutely marvelous way to meet people. I love it. You get to talk to people surrounding a task. You don't have to go up to them and hand them your card and tell them I'm a writer and I'm right. shy. <laughs> yeah. You just, you just, you get to, you get to do something. Um, and you meet, you meet interesting people. Um, I was the um, room monitor for James Comey's talk at Thriller Fest. Interesting. Okay. And that was, um, so we got to, we got to chit chat of, uh, you know, around, uh, you know, before his talk and a little bit after, after his talk, he asked me how he did. And I thought, wow, that's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people are people, right? I mean, no matter who we are. You never know. You never know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you, um, have talked about the fact that as in your writing life, you're giving yourself new challenges. Um, and I wish you luck because I think your book sounds interesting. So the publishing life is a different life than, you know, it's a different journey <sighs> than the writing journey. Um, and we have a, a lot less control over things. What has surprised you about the publishing journey? Well, um, I love to write. I've always written and I probably always will, but authoring sucks a lot of times. Okay. <laughs> Marketing books, the, uh, getting that word of mouth out is, is a very difficult thing for, for me to do. Um, I, I can't, I hate to say buy my book. I don't like to advertise by my book. I like to talk about my book, but that, you know, the, the salesperson in me just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't exist. I wish I had known, um, you know, I, I thought getting published was going to be the hard part. Right. You know, any of us who've been on this journey will probably say, you know, that initial, you know, finishing your book and publishing your book and oh, what's next, getting an agent, which can take, you know, many rejections and then publish, finding a publisher, going through the edits, all of those things. Now that's not the hard part. I agree with you. I, you know, it, it's authoring is marketing is um, showing up, being places um, is giving back. I mean, because you can't all the time talk about buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. I mean, it's, right. it's you got to <laughs> 90% of what you do needs to be about other people or supporting other things. Right, and then you right. can, you know, market yourself. Uh, it is tricky, but it is a necessary evil. How, how have you, how have you gotten over some of that? Um, I'm not going to say it's ever uh, going to be easy, but you have to do it. No. Um, I used to, um, to shy away from the, using the word brand. Mm-hmm. I found it um, too depersonalizing. I'm not a brand, I'm me. But hello, Julie, I'm me. Yeah. 
And right now, basically what I'm doing is being as me as I can in as many different places as I can. Um, I like to share about, um, about going places. I like to share with people about what it feels like when you go to a place where, where you're the stranger. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all had the experience and I bet it's happened to you in the past week, or actually you're on, you're sort of on vacation right now. So maybe it hasn't happened to you in the past week, but you go, you can get from your house to your job. You can get from your house to the grocery store or somewhere else. And you have no idea actually how you've gotten there. Oh, yeah. You know, you've traveled past paces, you've stopped at traffic lights, you've made turns and you have, you get there and you have no idea, but to explain to someone the, um, the openness and the joy of not knowing how basically to get to the next place. It's also nice when you're doing it in a language, which is not your first language, which always ups the ante just a little bit. And, um, I like people to challenge themselves that way. I think it's good. I think travel and I, by travel, I do not mean canned vacations. By travel, I mean going and being being in a place um, where you've got to figure out the normal things that you would do um, to to live your life. Mm-hmm. But you don't know where the structures where the structures are. Yeah, and that's all the structures from how do you flush the toilet? I mean, really to, you know, where's the closest grocery store that actually sells wine, which is an issue in Morocco. <laughs> well, and I, you know, you can have that experience traveling um, within the United States or within, you know, going to Canada and things, yeah. and going somewhere different where you have to pay attention to how you get yes. places <laughs> is a yes, gift. You, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do. And you, you said it right there, Julie, it's paying attention. Yeah. It's paying attention to your life. And that, that's a gift. Yeah, it is truly a gift, truly a gift. Um, so we talked a little bit about community, but as we're, you know, wrapping up, let's, let's talk about the importance of community. You lit up when you talked about finding those online folks in that first class. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we can, we can connect in so many different ways, uh, you know, going to conferences, being on zoom calls, uh, you know, joining sisters in crime or other organizations, uh, you know, just going to going to somebody else's book event to support them and, and yeah. being in a room and talking to people. Um, the community of writers understand what you're doing. And that is the extra gift is you don't have to explain. (laughs) Um, What has that meant to you on your journey? It's, it, 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 it's, it, it's almost everything. I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a very, uh, very supportive close family around me, but um, sisters in crime was the very first organization that I joined uh, immediately after I, I wrote that very first crappy novel that actually turned into um turned into um toward the light many many years later i think sometimes people wait till they get a contract to join a group or they wait till you know they've written that novel and i i think that it's actually really helpful to join as soon as you think i want to write a novel <laughs> yes or I and wanted, I, and wanted I did. a short and I was, story and i was a guppy i was a guppy for many years i yeah. the guppies for amazing organization. I've let my uh, my um, subscription to them, um, you know, uh, expire at this point, but um, what a great group of writers. 
And um, the the outreach the Sisters in Crime does, I mean, I got more involved um, to go back to the earlier part of our discussion when you guys um, started the NaNoWriMo write-ins. Mm-hmm. And that was just such an amazing opportunity. Um, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not volunteering quite as much these days. I've got a, a, quite a few other things going on, but when I used to host those write-ins, you know, people would, um, people, you know, the, you, you do two Pomodoros and then at the very end, there's a little bit of chit chat about how much everyone accomplished. And then people start leaving. They always said, thank you. And guess what? I, I wanted to say, I, and I did, I thank you to them because their being there you know, made everything, made everything worthwhile. And I think a lot of that, um, that we have the gift of right now, that not face-to-face communication that we can, mm-hmm. that we can do so many different things, but those writers who said, thank you. It's like, I felt like I needed to make sure that they knew that I, I might've been there for them, but they, they were there for, they were there for me. They were absolutely there. I think that that's such a great point because uh, if unless you do a write-in, um, so write-ins for folks who don't know is everyone gets together and it's it's usually webinar style, so you know you can chat with each other. But then they start a clock for twenty-five minutes and everyone just gets to work, and then at the end of twenty-five minutes, take a break and then do another one. Um, and it's remarkable how much you can get done in 25 minutes, but it's it also is. remarkable how much that energy of being with other people can just get you focused so that you do get that work done. You do. You absolutely get the work done. And I, frankly, before we get off the air, need to make sure that you know, and everybody out there knows that I first heard about the 25-minute writing sprints through Sisters in Crime several years ago. <laughs> and now I can I write that way. It's a, it's 25 minutes followed by a, a five minute break, Julie. And then another 25 minutes is how we do the write-ins. Um, you can stack them up into four with mm-hmm. a longer break afterwards, which is how I try to write each day. But to do a write-in for 25 minutes, it's just the right amount of time. It's not so long that you get distracted mm-hmm. and it's enough time to get to a place where you, you, you know, where you, where you can feel progress because anytime, um, the payoff finishing your novel, blah, 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 all the way up to, you know, seeing a a physical Mm -hmm. copy of it. Anytime that payoff is so far in the future, you need, you need companionship and you need that sense of accomplishment, I think, to keep going. I agree. And I also think it's an unkind thing that some people do to say, unless you have three hours a day or you have to write, you know, no, 25 minutes, you can write on your phone. You can write while you're waiting for a bus. Whenever works for you, yes, find the time. Yes. It's uh, progress over perfection. What's the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? And what's your favorite piece of writing advice to give folks? <laughs> Uh, the worst piece is that horrible, write what you know thing, you know, um, yeah, I'm sort of who I am and stuff like that, but I like to find out new things. And if I need to ask an expert, I can ask, I can ask an expert. It's just too anodyne. I mean, you know, I, I mean, and toward the light, I had to do a lot of research on suicide vests. Okay. T- to the point where when the doorbell would ring, my partner would like go, FBI calling, <laughs> but um, 
you know, the, the, the best, the best piece has got to be something like you can't revise a blank page, you know, keep, yeah. you know, right. You know, right. You've got to get that first draft down. Um, you can revise all you want at your leisure or under deadline or however it goes, but you can't do any of that. Um, if you, if you don't have words on the page. Right. And however long it takes you, if you write 250 words a day, you're going to get a novel done eventually, as long as you, you're consistent and you don't have to write every day. But thinking about it every you know, just making sure you're calling yourself a writer and you keep that practice. Um, right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Good yeah. point. Thank you. Well, as always, whenever I talk to writers, I get re-inspired. So um, I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate your energy around all of this. I mean, you you were a fun person to have a conversation with. You do go to conferences so folks can meet you there. Um, and, uh, you know, um, thank you so much for the conversation, Bonna. It's a real pleasure talking to you, Julie. You feel like family. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.